guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Let's get nostalgic and silly, even bittersweet a little, reclaiming our shame and vulnerability. Don't be guarded or discreet. At some point, we've all been the bitch in the bitch seat. Hi, campers. Hi. Welcome to the Bitch Seat Podcast with your guest co-host, Veronica. That's me, Veronica. <laughs> uh, Phil is out being a, a good boy and making some grown-up money right now. So Veronica has um, so generously agreed to step in and chat, especially because our guest today is going to be a mutual friend of all of ours, yes. uh, Charlie, but we will get to him in a moment. Uh, and what you just heard is the delightful new jingle for The Bitch Seat, original content uh, by Zach Sherwin and Rebecca Vigil, who are regular contributors to our show, as you know. Uh, Zach wrote the lyrics and Rebecca uh, did the music. And um, yeah, if you like it, tell us about it. I've already had one review that somebody thinks it sounds like Gem and the Holograms, and I'm Ooh. totally down for that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So... Um, V. Yes, that's me. What were you doing in <laughs> April of 2001? Ooh, April of 2001, pre-9-11. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have been 12, and I was probably, my parents were freshly divorced. Ooh, fresh divorce. Fresh Hot and divorce. fresh out the kitchen mm, divorce. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> Um, actually that might've been right before they got divorced. No, I think it, no, that was after, um, I was living in Renton, Washington, which is, uh, a fine area, but I was also going to the worst. I transferred, I had to transfer to the worst middle school in the district Ugh. and it was What terrible. made it worse? What made it the worst? Uh, crime. Oh shit. <laughs> Kids Straight getting in up. trouble and, um, a lot of bullying, which I had not been used to got bullied for the first time in my life. You were getting bullied? Yeah, dude. What were you getting bullied for? Just getting teased. Yeah. I was a chubby kid. Yeah. Uh, and ki and I was new. Middle schoolers don't like new kids. I it's was true. They really don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, either if you're a new kid, you get like snapped up right away by popular kids. Right. And they just like deem you acceptable. But more often than not, it's like you're going to be in the corner. Yeah. Oh, I uh, also used to... <laughs> I was too old. 12 is too old, but I was watching Little Bill every morning because for the first time in What's my that? life. <laughs> well, now it's terrible. Uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, no. Cartoon that was like about a family. It was just a kid show that he created and voiced. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, when we moved, we were in an apartment. And so we had cable for the first time. It was included in the apartment package was cable. And I had a TV in my own room. So every morning before school, I watched Little Bill. <laughs> I was living out my dream as a child. Oh, man. Well, now that is just another thing that is ruined. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty uh, cheesy, dumb show anyway. Regardless, so. it meant something to you. You it's associate true. it with a time Fuck in your life. Seriously. Well, 
when I it was uh, April of two thousand one uh, in my life, I was um, eighteen. It was senior year of high school, and I was in Italy, which is a thing that I've talked to about on the show before and I've talked to you about before because I feel like we had kind of similar situations on our European trips. Yeah. And I, because our guest is also from Connecticut, I thought that he would really appreciate this entry, which is from one of my yellow steno notebooks. I've graduated from, um, from, from diary to, to yellow steno notebook, which was my jam. And I uh, wrote this when I was in Italy feeling just angsty as fuck. So it begins with a couple of bullet points because this is April 17th. So the first bullet point is happy birthday, Matt. Miss you. That's my brother. His birthday is April 17th. Coincidentally, also my anniversary with Phil. April 17th. A romantic day. Yes. (laughs) And also my brother's birthday. (laughs) Uh, Stories holds up. Second bullet point, more REM, look into it. (laughs) And then the screed begins. Okay, first of all, I miss my city and my country. God, I didn't realize I was such an American, but damn it, I am. By the way, my city refers to New York, a city in which I have yet to live at this point in my life. (laughs) This isn't the Italy I remember from summer 99 anyway. This Italy sucks. (laughs) (laughs) This Italy is cold and wet and full of Guilford idiots who are all the same fucking person. Excuse my language. I swear, last night was the most disgusting display of blatant Guilfordism I've ever seen. Just one drunken, horny party in the boys' room. It was first about it was first about the one drink in the hotel bar, which was fine. Fine, good, that was perfectly tasteful. But then smuggling enormous bottles of vodka, tequila, and wine from Rome back to the ghetto hotel and sprawling everywhere. Smashed, stupid people hooking up, the seniors corrupting the junior girls, and everyone being so insanely, rudely loud. I mean, how old are we, five? I don't get how people could one minute be so sophisticated, or fake sophisticated, and the next minute moronic babies with no control. I hate fake people. I hate them. And it's not a new concept for me, for me, Daria, but it's been renewed, which is probably good at this point. I need a smack every once in a while. Helps narrow down the colleges, at least. Northwestern, if not Columbia, where I think I'll take the plunge. It's not, it's the only not fake Ivy. I just, I will say, maybe I didn't read this before because uh, it's like, doesn't make me look that great, uh, but I was a pretentious child, and now you know. I think there are more me's there, and anyway, it's my city. Just glancing around at the bobbing, shower-wet, sleeping heads reminds me of how much I am not like them. I am different from all of them, and I am fucking tired of tiring myself out trying to impress them. Who cares? Alana would be so proud. Alana was my best friend at the time. She was the only one who understood. Sometimes I'll see a spark in one of them. But then any hope seems to fade whenever alcohol or petty boy shit enters the picture. They are so shallow. Hello, assholes, we are in another country. And all you care about is getting so smashed you don't remember it and getting away with as much as possible. I am just so bitter, so angry that I am wasting my vacation here. Now, uh, none of it is beautiful to me. I'm freezing. Anyway, happy birthday, Maddie boy. Hope your day is better than mine. (laughs) (laughs) um to for yeah and to contextualize i mean this was a a trip like it was an it was an optional trip it wasn't all the seniors it was like there were maybe 40 
senior and juniors combined. And I had been to Italy before on this like amazing choir trip, you know, a little bit earlier with people who I didn't know who weren't from my school. And this was with people from my school. And I was really, I just kept having high hopes for them. Mm. And they kept not caring about the culture at all. And also at the time, I will mention that I was freshly anorexic. So I was fucking starving. Yeah, and, and angry. So angry because my blood sugar was so low and I would eat like a blood orange a day and, and, and that's it. And, um, uh, I, because they were trying to save money, I'm sure, like, we went to a, several Italian cities, but all of our hotels were, like, way out of town, like, in some random wilderness, whatever. So, like, once we came home for the night, we were stuck there. Mm. And uh, and it was really wet and raining a lot of the time. And um, uh <laughs> I just forgot that I said that about Columbia being the only not fake Ivy. Like, who the fuck do I think I am? And by the way, <laughs> I did not get into Columbia. So, uh, so yes. Yeah. So, so that was fun. But like, I I wanted to um, do that entry by way of introducing our guest today, who is uh, um, a, a new a new friend of mine. Uh, an, uh, an older friend of Veronica's. I'm very grateful to know him. He is also from Connecticut. He's probably not as bitter about his hometown as I was at the time, but we will see. He is an amazing improviser and a great writer. He has written for Rekt, and I just love it when he visits my house. Um, please Me welcome too. to the show, Charlie Fay. Okay. So... <clears throat> We see Charlie wearing fucking black and white umbro soccer shorts and a whistle around his neck, and he's wandering around an empty soccer field uh, after school. Everybody has gone home, and Charlie is wandering the soccer field, speaking aloud to himself, telling stories about um, all the little woodland creatures that are scurrying about. And then the stories turn to third-person narration of his own life and his big, wide-open future, and the sun is setting, and for once he is happy. Charlie Fay, welcome to the bitch seat. Hello. Hi. Wow, that was very cool. Well. Also, Dave Matthews. I have Ooh. never played Dave Matthews on this show before. That's, Abby, that's very Connecticut. I really hated him, but everybody <laughs> around me really loved him, as you understand. I saw him twice in concert. Did oh. you? Mm-hmm. At the Meadows? Is that what it is? It's yeah. the uh, something in Hartford. It's there was this big there was a big venue that was like outside, and everyone that's went it. and smoked weed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, like a yeah. hill. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know why. Maybe it came on in the car, and I just remember three hour concert. These two people I went to high school with. Uh, we're hooking up for the first time, and they made out for the entire duration of the concert. <laughs> oh my. It was unreal. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, damn, that, what is your That's some mouth stamina. Mouth? I yeah. know. They, they were really chapped after that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like red and like, mm-hmm. you know, raw. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've had makeout sessions like that before, like before we actually knew how to kiss people. Yes. And it was just like a sloppy, just like pressing your lips into each other. Or like With you, your tongue. yeah. More yeah. often than not, like one person's <laughs> lips would like go around yeah. the other person's lips. Yeah, it was like 
whatever our animal instinct for like fucking was was like I have to do it just through the mouth. Yeah. I don't know. I can only express it through my mouth. Yeah, because like the rest of your body like didn't understand yet. No. Yeah. No. Um, did you make out with a lot of people in high school? No. I made out with very few people in high school. <laughs> in fact, uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to think. There was I had one friend who I and I don't even know how this happened. I remember we hooked up a few times because and I I remember the first time she was on like cross country. Oh yeah, and she they were doing like a, a what was it, like a free run or whatever, mm-hmm. and she like ran to my house. And then we like. Oh my god! How far out. was your house? Not that far. It's like everything's in kind of close proximity. And what town in Connecticut did you grow up in? Fairfield, baby. Oh, Fairfield. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, I don't even know. Don't don't shout no. out to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I don't. I, don't I, I feel weird even saying any of these things out loud into a microphone. It was I had one of the uh, first sexual experiences that was I guess more her sexual experience. And, wait, uh, wait, why? Well, because it was, uh, it, it was. You were helping to facilitate, but yes. it wasn't your genitals being touched. No, and I don't mean that in like a in like a, a trite way. I just mean like just to give the non-specific specific. Yes, of, I'm to listen. I'm telling you right here. This is a safe space, safe space, and this is what people do in this room. Okay. Okay. So I had as as what people would have called back then fingered. fingering. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh Sorry to my pastor who doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> and I was like so horrified. I don't know why. Not it like hurt or anything. Just like the. I think I was like this was too much. This is way too much. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, you were shorting out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was a yeah, that was a bad memory. <laughs> but. But bad sound. <laughs> I know that. Yep, that was the exact wrong sound <laughs> to have done. I apologize. And so, when do you? So you were how old when that happened? Uh, like fifteen, sixteen. Oh, that's pretty young. Yeah. Would you say that you had reached? Because I know it's later for boys. Mm-hmm. Had you reached pu- puberty at that time, or maybe not? Maybe not. I'm, man, I'm still going through puberty. I'm still <laughs> every every week. I will look down at like my chest and I'll be like, I'm getting more chest hair. I don't know how this is possible, but it's still coming in. And I didn't think that was – I thought that had to stop <laughs> at a certain point. It's crazy. No, you just – your whole life is just a long extended puberty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be really weird when I'm 60 and get my growth spurt. I'm 5'7". Like, <laughs> It'll be really weird. Um, so you had that experience mm-hmm. with that girl. She wasn't your girlfriend. Did you no. want her to be your girlfriend? No. No. I don't think either of us wanted wanted that really. Uh, we were just, I think, rejected, probably sexually, mm. by the school. Yeah. And found uh, kinship in each other and some horror, but mostly kinship in each other. <laughs> and she's great. She's a wonderful person, and I hope she's doing very well right now. <laughs> I don't know, though. I don't know. Well, I want to hear in general about your uh, – because we haven't gotten really to talk about Connecticut too much. No. Because I, I – um, listen, I think fondly of it now, mm-hmm. and my family is still there. And it's it, in hindsight, the town I grew up in was very, very beautiful and lovely, and a great public school. And I had nothing to complain about. But I yeah. was an angsty child, and I wanted to live in New York. So there you go. But what was your general experience of growing up in Connecticut? Were you a happy kid, or were you dying to scramble out of there? I, ugh, man, I, 
didn't realize I hated it until I went to college. Hmm. Um, and I remember the moment that I realized I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mind-blowing because I was like, I thought I liked my town. Um, what was the moment? I was sitting on my friend Sam's uh, – in, in his dorm. And all of a sudden it hit me that I was like, oh, I'm hanging out with people right now and who all have the same interests, who are all pretty nerdy. Mm-hmm. We were at like a film school. What school were you at? Emerson. Right. In Burston. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't need to be said like that. I don't know why I said Burston. 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 <laughs> it's like a curse. Um, and then I was like, oh, my God. I fucking hated that place. I hated that place. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I only talked to one person from my high school. And even we don't really talk that much anymore, uh, which is fine. Um, yeah. But I – yeah, it Fairfield is full of um, very aggro – uh, athletic, mm. masculine, insecure, mm-hmm. macho. Dads are super Republican. Moms are generally pretty liberal, but mm-hmm. the, obviously the guys are leading mm-hmm. towards what their dad mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. or believes. Um, and I just like did not. I, I mean, I've looked like this and smaller my whole life and mm-hmm. felt anxious my whole life, and mm-hmm. I just did not. Yeah. For, the, for the listeners who don't know what Charlie Faye looks like, yeah. he is a – um, diminutive, I would say, scrappy, wiry, like, uh, I feel like you're just like a ball of energy, but like, yeah. n- but could also like disappear into thin air. Yeah. Is that fair? That's, I'm very flattered. <laughs> that was very flattered. Yeah. Also, he has amazing hair. Beautiful hair. Thank you. That's Beautiful the first hair. thing you mentioned when we met. Really? Oh, my too. Oh my it, gosh. Yeah. It and looks it was, great right now. Like the light so is hitting it in a certain way oh, and it's you. doing great. Doing I have a great. terrible fear it's going to go away. My dad is bald and his siblings are bald. So I'm just holding on to every one of these compliments. Just hold on to every – if you haven't hit puberty, if you never hit puberty, <laughs> you'll never lose your hair. I know. So just don't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> got block this testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean I, I completely uh, relate to your mm. feeling about your town. I obviously was way more snobby about mine and in touch with my hatred of it much younger. But that was because I had the benefit or the not benefit of my parents both being New Yorkers. And so I knew what was out there really young right. and was always comparing it. And, uh, and, and so many people in the town where I grew up, maybe different for you because Fairfield is closer to New York than Guilford. Yeah. But so many people in my town, when they talked about the city, they talked about New Haven. Like they had really? never, like they had never been to New York, or like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing to them. And so they were super happy being in Guilford in their little insular town with the pumpkin patches and the fucking, yeah. you know, fairgrounds and everything. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think a lot of them didn't even look outside of that. Totally. Um, but there is also, for whatever reason, like a very aggro – that's a good way of putting it because it's aggro under wraps, you know? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of Connecticut school systems are about sports. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that is. Soccer Crazy. was huge in my town. Same, yeah. Lacrosse, yep. field hockey. Hmm. Yep. Please excuse that noise if you can hear it. This building that we're in is under construction. <laughs> Oh, is it really? Um, yeah, because Meltdown Comics. Okay, listeners, if you know anything <laughs> about Meltdown Comics, sorry, a little interruption here. It is now closed, and it was the amazing comics and collectible shop that was open for what, like 30 years, 25 or 30 years here on West Sunset. And where we did our live shows was in the back room behind Meltdown Comics. 
the Nerdist showroom. And it closed down at the end of March. And it closed at the end of March. So we are now a little bit homeless, but the the room that we are in now, even though it's still adorned with Nerdist um, paraphernalia, is now officially uh, part of the Ruby School, which is the first and only um, comedy school in L.A. founded on uh, intersectional feminism and is all-inclusive. You didn't know this? No. They just launched this past week. um, Jen Curran, who was an amazing woman who worked at the pit and is now out here as one of the founders of the Ruby. So formerly the Nerdist School, now the Ruby, um, all-inclusive to everybody. They're going to have classes. They're going to have shows. uh, But around us, around the Ruby, Meltdown Comics is coming down into sawdust, and it's very sad. So, but it's it's like a it's like a phoenix rebirth. I, that is totally fantastic. Totally. I did not know that at all. I think all. it's yeah. going to be a big big deal. Yeah, yeah, seriously. totally, yeah. totally. So, um, if you are anybody, <laughs> if you are a woman or a person of color, or uh, or if you are even a straight man, they have made very clear that they are not um, keeping anybody out. And if you have show ideas, you should pitch them. Free plug for the Ruby. Yeah. Uh, this is your stamps.com moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not paying me, though. No. Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, yes. So that if you hear construction noise, apologies. That's what that is. Um, uh, but yeah, back to this idea of like feeling like men feeling like they had to be really masculine. And even the women, like athleticism yeah. was like huge. And obviously, like I grew up in a pretty white town. I don't know if Fairfield, your corner of Fairfield was oh, as yeah, well. Maybe. There are obviously parts of Connecticut that are extremely um, impoverished and uh, not all white and um, filled with crime. I believe it's the largest uh, – Wealth disparity between neighboring towns in the country. I and wouldn't be I surprised. A, you know, I, don't, I haven't kept up with that statistic for like a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Bridgeport and New Haven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rough. So anyway, so uh, so okay. So you grew up in this town. You didn't realize that you were kind of outside of it when yeah. you were in it. Were you a sports player at all? Did you were you involved in any of the participation shit? I tried. Uh, my dad was super athletic. Uh, he was like NCAA soccer. Oh, I think wow. he was maybe all American in one of these things. He was like a gymnast. He did. What? Yeah, he did wrestling. So I tr- I tried all these things, and I was just like, I'm not. I am not made for this. I like have no endurance. I would run very little in soccer and get very sick. Uh, oh no! Yeah. Were you the firstborn in your family? I'm the th- no, I'm the youngest actually. So how many siblings? Two older sisters. And were they super athletic? Uh, no. My oldest sister Jackie, uh, what sports did she play? She man, this is so Connecticut. She sailed. <laughs> oh no! Isn't that fucking crazy? That is yeah. Th- that that's is, like a yeah. real deal thing in in the long in the. Long not even shot. rowing, just sailing. sailing. No, yeah, right. <laughs> Did you go to public or private school? Public school. Okay. Fairfield Ludlow High School Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I know I I, uh, I did soccer one year, and then there was like a soccer camp that everybody was going to, and uh, the hours were like we would wake up super early and be super athletic, which I couldn't do, mm-hmm. and then I like wasn't eating, so I I just don't really eat that much. In general, it, yeah, always it's always kind of been the case. And then I, uh, w- like, physically kind of broke down. And then when tryouts were happening the next year, which I did, f- f- God knows why, I have no idea. I had no interest, but I guess I didn't know that 
I didn't have to do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I made it like pretty far into these tryouts until, and I was like, oh my God, I think I'm going to get it. I think I'm going to be on like the JV team. I'm just going to suck. And then. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to like throw the the tryout. Like you didn't want to. I tried a couple, th- and I'm not saying like, I tried so fucking hard and I just failed upwards. I, like, <laughs> they, did, they just didn't notice. And the coach, the head coach came up to me. He's like, uh, which is what they do. They will like come up to you in the middle of a practice kind of thing and be like, yeah, we're not, you're not coming back this year. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, I mean, the talent level is just really different. And I was like, cool, that hurts. And then he was like, <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of these guys went to this camp. And I was like, no, I was at the camp. And he was like, <laughs> were you? And I was like, I was, yeah, I was there. And he was like, okay, well, bye. Not really. You're so you're out of here. And I was like, yeah. And you were excited to be out of there. So then why yeah. did you why were you pursuing it for to impress your dad? Probably a little bit. I don't think I ever did anything I really wanted to do mm. forever. Maybe until a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Genuinely. Why? I don't know. I don't uh, I'm very indecisive. I'm very influenced by other stronger opinions. Hmm. Uh, I am like what's that? I said relatable. <laughs> yeah, okay, good, good. Safe yeah, yeah. face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I like when I was young, I'm sure we all did this, but when I was younger, I would just parrot what adults said. So I'd come into class and be like, like I remember my dad di- didn't believe in global warming for a oh, while. no. And I was talking to some sub, and I was like, yeah, this fucking global warming thing. And I'm like 12 <laughs> years old. And then like a week later, I found out what was going on, and I was like, I don't know why I said that. And that was just kind of it for a while. I would just parrot things, stronger opinions than mine. Um, so then there must have been a shift because at some point – you you moved as far away from your home as possible in this country yeah. and are pursuing like artistic and creative things which require a huge amount of like you know personal will and drive so sure yeah i think in college i went to school in Boston or something Emerson or however i said oh in Burston and Burston he's wearing a Burston strong sweatshirt right yeah, now baby uh, i do miss that city um i went there and the first ye- the first semester, sorry, that I was there, I had like a uh, what is it called? Not a nervous, uh, maybe a nervous a meltdown, break- a bre- yeah, yeah, a yeah like a breakdown, nervous, a nervous a breakdown, a mental, a mental, whatever the hell, um, where I almost dropped out because I had never been away from home for that long. Mm-hmm. This is very, by the way, this is ties right back into Connecticut. The the dropout and return rate of of college students in Connecticut is crazy high. Really? It's cr- that, in Fairfield, I mean, Fairfield. Probably because because kids have like the cushiest life that they could ask for in Connecticut and they're like, "Oh, work is too hard." I, I think so. I think it's that and I think it's it's such a bubble. I mean, you are yeah. surrounded by only people that are you. And unless you unless somewhere. you're you or me. <laughs> right. right. And then you get the hell out of there. Yeah. But then you go to these other schools and you're like, "Oh my god, the world is not just Fairfield, Connecticut or Guilford, Connecticut." And then they come back. And that's no, like, diss at all to them. I mean, I I almost did the same thing. Um, mm. And that that second semester when I kind of got over that somehow, <clears throat> I, don't, I think I just didn't really look back. And it was – L.A. seemed not that hard also. Everybody I went to Emerson with is Going in L.A. To LA. Yeah, right, quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'll meet people and be like, I'm, uh, yeah, I went to Emerson. They'll be like, Jesus, fuck, you guys are everywhere. Yeah, it's like, true. Yeah. I actually know quite a few Emerson yeah. people. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. We are everywhere. And so so then what stopped you from going back home? Uh, in Boston or – Yeah, no? you, you said you got to school. You had a you had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, I knew – I think I just knew that I couldn't do that. 
And my my parents were also really good, I think, at being like, you're fine. This is going to be all right. You're going to get through this. Mm, good. Um, were they – were your parents super – like the way you described um, like a profile of a typical, you know, Fairfield kid yeah. where like the dad was like super Republican and the mom was maybe super liberal. Is that your family description? Yeah. It's what's weird. We're like – that is it. But we're also weirdly not Connecticut in that we – my parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. Um which is kind of low rate, I think, in my town, it seemed like. Or, like, I remember being the only person with divorced parents for oh, a while. Oh, or one of the f- few. Um, and uh, my mom is, or was Jewish. She's alive. Okay. <laughs> she just is not Jewish anymore. Um, she was born Jewish and then she converted yeah, away from it? Yeah, she converted to kind of nothing. Like, we were raised Jewish for the first seven years of my life, the first, like, 11 or so years of my oldest sister's life. Huh. And then we became Unitarian, mm-hmm. which is dope and not a religion, but it's really cool. Um, that Which is another separation of what Fairfield Dumb is, which is Protestantism or Catholicism. Yeah, super, Irish Catholic, mm-hmm. huge. It's huge. crazy. And yeah. uh, again, no knock towards it, just what the, what the case is. Um, and yeah, but they were, were very abnormal in that way, like – not in like again, not super athletic, and my dad um, wasn't it didn't know have any really Fairfield friends mm-hmm. when they got divorced. He was just like, "I'm moving to Blackrock." I don't know if you're familiar. It's like a, no, it's, it's like a uh, enclave neighborhood in Bridgeport. Um, Fancy. It's it's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 I guess it's like it's the closest part to Fairfield, mm-hmm. um, and in that way, it's it's looked after I guess you could say by yeah it's it's not neglected I yeah. guess you could say by hmm. forces that should not be neglecting um, and yeah and so it's just been like an we're like an alt fair like we well, didn't really it sounds like you had an experience that was like many different experiences within yeah. one lifetime and so of course that's going to break your brain a little bit you know because it's not you see how you're different from other people even yeah. if you don't want to see it but um how old were you when your parents got divorced? I was seven or eight. Oh, man. So, like, and everything changed. You're like, suddenly yes. I'm not Jewish, and suddenly my parents aren't <laughs> together, and thing. suddenly it's like everything is different. Yeah, that and... is the founding moment of my my personhood. I think, like, I like to think that people huh. all have, like, a you go back far enough, and, like, this is their thing. Like, you know, this is, like, the fomenting moment or series of events in their life. I think everybody's got one, and or many. Um, that was definitely... Me. That was like, I guess to kind of weirdly enough bring it back to nine eleven. Yeah. Nothing will ever be the same after nine eleven. Like sure, sure. To, to, two totally different countries. Two totally different uh, people. And in mm. when you were seven or eight, I mean, you're old enough to have memories of that time. Yeah. I mean, like you can remember. So, what? What was your emotional like before and after there? Were you? Were you? Um, excited about this new life? Were you uh, indifferent about it? Were you like crushed by your parents being separated? Were you not surprised? Like, because for me, when I was little, my my parents are still together after whatever, almost 50 years. And uh, they still live in the same house. And I never had to deal, like I had these deep, deep, deep fears, like nightmares about huge changes like that, about one of my parents leaving the other one or about us having to like break up our household and move away. Never happened to me. Did that happen... Do you, why was why did you fear that? 
I have no idea. Uh. I mean, this is why I've been, you know, this is why I spent years in therapy. I have no mm-hmm. idea, but I always live in fear that the worst possible thing is going to happen. <laughs> Probably because I come from a long line of like Eastern European Jews who are always assuming that the worst possible thing is going to happen. Because <laughs> it kind of does. I mean, it has in the past, yeah. but like knock on wood, like it didn't happen in my childhood. Right. I just always ex- expected it would. But like if that had happened, like I don't know if I would still be here to this day if my parents had gotten divorced and one of them had moved away because I think I would have had like a mini little person breakdown. Yeah. So oh, yeah. what was your what, what, what was your experience uh, at, in that fomenting moment? Yes. Uh, it's interesting. I'm also now rediscovering this in therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, total like t- – so fucking catastrophic, and that sounds so huh. overdramatic, but like, no, it's not, only when dude. I look that's back. a trauma. It's a trauma. Yeah, it's 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 it's. I mean, like, I got. I mean, I have t- pretty serious generalized anxiety disorder. The mm-hmm. whole gambit, the the PTSD, the OCD, mm-hmm. the blah blah blah. Um, my sense of security was certainly gone. Mm-hmm. I like feared a break in in my house all the time. Wow. Um, I'm even getting a little emotional thinking about it. Um, it's okay. Which is weird. I was telling Veronica the other day, I uh, was on a, a road trip coming back from Northern California. We were driving through the grapevine, which is, I don't know if you're familiar, it's like a section of, I, from the East Coast, I can't even conceptualize what the fuck this thing is. It's like, <laughs> yeah, a, it's, it's like a canyon. In, on the five? I don't know. I haven't. I, I don't know what it is. It's 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 like a. It's really beautiful. It's like yeah. a mountain pass almost. Yeah. Not narrow it by any means, but like it's just this like sixty or or twenty or so mile stretch of of road mm-hmm. on the five, which is a uh, highway that gets you straight to the north in California. Um, and I brought. I started talking about this memory that I had only recently remembered, where it was like a. It was like a year ish after my parents got divorced. Um, and I remember I was like on my bed at my mom's house and it was at night and I was crying and I was on the phone with my dad and crying because I just wanted him to come back. Yeah, I guess. And, he, and he wasn't gone. He didn't like abandon us. But I mean, I saw him <laughs> um, come back. And then I, th- I think it was the next day, but I don't know because time collapses in memory. Uh, I was at his house. And we were watching the Steelers play the Titans. Again, I don't know why I remember this. Mm-hmm. And then I remember having like the same thing with my mom because he was like, he, he was like, do you want to go? Do you want to like stay here for the night or do you want to go to your mom's house? Um, and I just remember my, my little brain like breaking and being like, I will never, ever, ever not have to make that decision mm-hmm. in my life. Oh, God. Yeah, it was rough. And I, and I was recounting this in the car the other day and I just started bawling my fucking eyes and I haven't cried in like I haven't cried in like four four years ish like I'm not I've I've just pushed a, a lot of crier. no yeah not my thing and for better or worse um and then like it was I mentioned the grapevine because it however long it takes you to get through that at an average speed I cried for the entire duration yeah. after yeah. having not cried for you know four four years or whatever the fuck yeah um but that was the memory that which is a good encapsulating moment of what that was like wow i mean that is really uh profound and um i'm glad that you i mean i i don't wish for your pain but i'm glad that you (laughs) cried like that because like clearly you were releasing something that needed to be released letting go of something yeah you said this happened kind of recently this was this was uh easter weekend 
And oh. it, what's today? Yeah, the super f- recently. 10th, 11th? It's the 13th. 13th. Oh, right. Duh. It's Friday the 13th, guys. <laughs> Time collapses. I understand. Time <laughs> yeah, this was really recently. And it's funny. I, I tell it because even now in thinking about these things, for the first time, I, I like watch myself get in this room. I was just like, oh, fuck. Am I going to cry right now? Uh, and if you did, it scary. would be okay because totally. it's not a comedy podcast. Sometimes it's funny, but it's not a right. comedy podcast. Sometimes. That's good to know. Oh, you get ready for the waterworks, guys. That's right. Cry, uh, baby. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got you. Thank you. Um, well, uh, what? why don't we use this as a, as a turning point to go into like the actual physical artifact that you brought to share yeah. here? Um, you can set it up, contextualize however you want to okay. uh, describe it to the listeners. Um. Um, into the mic. <laughs> um, I feel like I've talked about Legos with you guys, but I'll just, or with you, but I don't know if it matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, you haven't talked about them with me. Right. It's exactly right. Um, I, I'm so still indecisive that I brought, my backpack is full of like six things that I was like, oh, we just, when they ask, you'll make the decision there. <laughs> Um, That's how Phil is with menus, by the way. Like whenever we go right? to any restaurant at all, he'll sit down and he's, he's he'll be like, "I'm gonna get the tuna melt." And then when the waiter comes over, he's like, "Uh, uh, veggie chili." Like he's just like <laughs> totally. And then he always regrets his decision. I was gonna so. say, does he regret it? Oh, after? every single time. You know why that's the case with these? You know what I mean? With indecisive folk, it's like it's never. Because you're always it. afraid. Because it could. You're always afraid you're gonna make the wrong decision, and therefore, like. Whatever you choose is going to be the wrong decision because there were so many other things and you can't have all of them. Yeah. It's – it's the, that that restaurant example is like a really, really low stakes, whatever that Sylvia Plath story is. The fig tree. The fig Listen, tree. I talk about the fig tree all the goddamn time. Yeah. And I was just – so I'm writing a book right now and I was just asking my friend Kate who's a literary agent. She deals with rights and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to need to reference this fig tree story. <laughs> Will I have to pay for the rights for it? And she's like, I think if you use like one or two lines, it's okay. Like it's fair game. But for for the listeners who don't know, this is it's in the bell jar. It's like oh, is it? okay, it's I in, didn't know that. It, yeah, it's one of the chapters in the bell jar. Um, the character, the main character, whose name I don't even remember. I wrote, I read it in, in college, and it stayed with me. But basically, Sylvia Plaths as the main character talks about. Uh, Sitting under this this beautiful fig tree, and there are all these beautiful ripe, you know, fruits on it. And she keeps thinking about like which fruit she's going to pick, and fantasizing about which will be the better fruit, and which one will taste better. And this one is closer to the sun. So blah 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 blah. All the reasons, and and that she fears that um, she will end up never choosing any of the figs, and that they will all rot and fall off the tree, and she will have lost all of the opportunities. Which is how I feel about my life. Yeah. Every. Damn day, it's Charlie. It's so genius. It's just so It's so, perfect. I can't, there's no better way to talk about being indecisive. I mean, that's exactly it. So, yes, I understand. Yeah. So, you chose the Legos. Yeah. Good choice. Thank you. Describe what this is going on here. So, this is a segment of like, I was, ter- I don't have, I don't have a, a lot of things from my childhood in Los Angeles. Um, this is, I was like, what is the farthest back thing? I took, I took the the childhood thing, very literally. Um, and I made this uh, Lego thing at my, the first house my dad was at, uh, and it is the head of a dragon. Oh, cool. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, do you Wait, see it now? It's I like, see it. It's, it's the, the mouth and head shape, it's very, it's very. Will you hold it up yeah. next to your own mouth? Oh, no, iPhone storage full. I hate, I hate it. I hate technology. It's weird it just springs on you sometimes. Okay, here we go. Um, 
for sure. Yeah. Oh, your your Veronica's camera is way better than mine. She has a very nice camera. Great, thank you. Sure. Um, yellow head, snout, jaw, uh, two little gray dots at the top for his nose, uh, some blue one pieces, whatever they're called, for his eyes. And then the thing that I remember when I was a kid I was so proud of was the teeth, which for no fucking reason are red. Um, but I was because like, because the the blood of the victims yeah. of that dragon. <laughs> yeah, this thing was a killer, uh, <laughs> and it the way they're like, you know, it goes one. It's like one gap one or tooth gap tooth gap tooth, and then on the bottom it's gap tooth gap. So it looks like, and I was eight or whatever, and I was like, I can't believe I, I fucking thought of that. <laughs> that's so smart. That's what teeth do. That's, that's true. That's what teeth do. Um, and then I. It broke for whatever reason, but and but then I so I brought my Legos out here, and I wish I played with them more. Do you have a large collection of Legos? Uh, they I think it's pared down now, but it used to be pretty big. I was really fucking into Legos. We talked about it on Veronica's uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this is weird. I was like, I can't believe this stayed intact. Uh, those things are hardy. Yeah, especially if you have them grouped into like a larger block, they're kind of hard to to break apart. Totally. Yeah, the thi- the the case that I shipped them in broke before any of them <laughs> broke. Right. As well. Yeah. Well, you could build your home with Legos. I know. I thought about it. I've been like, how, how many Legos do I need to build a one bedroom? Why do you think it is that Legos were – why do you think you liked them so much? Given all these things that you did in your town growing up that you didn't actually like but you did them anyway, mm. Legos were a thing that you genuinely enjoyed. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, uh, I love, I, I really just like making things and creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very, I think, exciting that with a Lego set, you were guaranteed to finish the thing, which is yeah. like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That you're going to, you're going to finish it. You're going to be accomplished with the creation. And then when it wasn't a set, when you were just like hanging out with your friends, throwing some pieces together, which is what we called it. <laughs> throw some pieces together. Yeah, hey James, you want to come over and just throw some fucking pieces together? <laughs> and then he'd be like, "What?" Uh, and I'd be like, "Legos." He'd be like, "Okay." Um, uh, it you're just it's just like total freedom. I think I mentioned to you, Veronica, earlier uh, that there was something about like m- m- the obsessive compulsive nature of manifesting this thing you had in your head, mm, mm-hmm. and then seeing it physically is just crazy satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's actually, now that I think about it, I think I remember picturing what this would look like when I made it, and then it did come out oh, yeah. how I wanted, which is w- weird, because I, I hadn't thought about that till now. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, very, very satisfying and delicious. Mm, and right? I mean, also, like, the fact that when you have a complete set, the pressure is off of you to have to conceive of everything. Yeah. Um, and then if you don't have a complete set, then you have like – you have the freedom to – like regarding indecision, put something together. And if you don't like it, immediately take it apart and put something else together. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad that you kept it. Yeah, I am I am as well. I have – back home, I every time I go home to Poopy Old Fairfield – I, I'm sorry, what did you just call that? Poopy old Fairfield. <laughs> uh, that's how it was incorporated in, in the 1600s, the, the, the colony of Poopy old Fairfield. Oh, O-L oh, oh, apostrophe? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Poopy old. 
Um, <laughs> I, I'll check my Legos. I'll be like, I'll go down to the basement and be like, are these, these, these fucking things better be intact? Um, cause they're also memories. Yeah. Totally. Terrible fear of losing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Charlie, I have a gift for you that I told oh. Veronica. Well, I give, I give everybody on this podcast, okay. uh, um, some, uh, article or item that I've held onto since I was a kid, which is everything. Cause again, my parents still live in that same right. house. But this is something that I told Veronica. I was a little bit um, – it's bittersweet to give it away because I actually mm. feel like I reference it a lot. Like over the course of this show, I've used it a lot. I reference it a lot. And it's like something that is special to me. But like when I knew I was going to have you on the show, I was like, I have to give this to Charlie. So, Oh, my God. Also, when we're done recording, I can give it right back. Don't worry. Nobody will know. <laughs> no, that's not how this works. <laughs> you have to keep it forever. It's a postcard. It says, I hate this town. (laughs) It's a black postcard with white black letters that says, I hate this town. And actually on the back, I don't know why, for whatever reason, um, there, I listed all of the characters from uh, a Faulkner book. So I must, I must (laughs) have, I had this with me in college because I took a Faulkner class, like a grad school class when I was in college. But this is for you. Oh my God. Thank you. And, um, I'm going to keep this very dear. Yeah, it is. It's it's a special, it's a special thing. And, and. You know, as a final disclaimer, if anybody who lives in Guilford uh, is listening to this, or Fairfield, I yeah. guess I'll extend it, like, there is absolutely nothing wrong with any of those towns, and they are beautiful towns, and I really enjoy going home to them now, and um, my brother still lives there, and, like, the Guilford Green is very special, and the tree lighting, and the fair, and everything, it's not a bad town at all. It's just not for me. Yeah. And, it's, if, and if you are feeling like you got to get out of there... Take that plunge, man. Take the plunge. Get out of there. Take the plunge. Do it. Um, Charlie, is there anything that you would like to plug? Oh, boy. Um, You don't have to. um, You can just plug Legos. (laughs) Yeah. Go buy Legos. Factory used to be in Enfield, Connecticut. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Where is it now? It moved? Uh, I think they have multiple, but they just closed that one. Maybe they reopened it, but they they had closed There's it. There's a Pez factory in Connecticut, too. That's right. That's where it was founded, I think. There's so much. Wiffle Ball is in Shelton. Really? Yeah, go to Connecticut. There's toys. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of green in toys. Um, yeah. Plugging, plugging. Uh, Flambe Comedy is a sketch group with two wonderful people that I'm in. Uh, my best buddies, Matt Newman and Zach Arch. That is uh, YouTube at Flambe Comedy, which is F-L-A-M-B-E. Comedy. Um, we got a bunch of videos and we're working on cool. some longer form stuff. And then check out, yeah, check out Wrecked. It's a really good show. Written by some really, really terrific, wonderful, incredibly inspiring writers that I just love. Yourself included. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Kind of, yeah. Also, I will say uh, Veronica and Charlie and our friend Jake um, yeah. are improvisers on this team together. And I love every single show that they <laughs> oh, ever you. do. So it's really fun, do, yeah. do, you guys have, do you guys have any coming up? I don't know. I don't know if we do. I don't know either. Anyway, we, we can read some minutes, we're called but yeah. Power Tools. Power, if you're in LA, look for Power Tools. Yeah. They're around and they're just so fucking funny. Oh, thank you. Also, I will say, last thing that I was thinking about improv, because mm. I think that improv is really, um, and ha- this is how I know anybody who I know in LA is yeah. really through improv people, uh, um, is really good for people who have problems deciding things because to- oh my god, which is why I, it was really such like it broke my brain when I started doing it. And I remember all of level one the first time I took it, I was like, what if I open my mouth and nothing comes out? Because I was such a planner and I was like, I have to know exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah. And improv forces you to act before you get into that brain spot of deciding. Yep. Um, 
so super healing and therapeutic. And I'm, mm. I, I wonder if that was like that for you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly. It's uh, you just got to make the decision, and the consequence is never as dire as you think it is. Exactly. It's a good life lesson. And also, if the consequences suck, you're going to be done with that set, and you'll never have to do it again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Pressure's off. Yeah. Pressure's off. Awesome. Well, Charlie Faye, thank you so much for joining us thank on you the so bench seat. This is really wonderful. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. And Veronica. Yeah, thanks, Ready. Thanks for being my co-host today. Thanks for having me. I love to see your face across the table. I'm yeah. here. We'll have to be flanked by both of your faces. (laughs) (laughs) Face flanking. And uh, if you are in the New York area, there is a live show coming up on April 30th at 8.30 p.m. at QED in Astoria. We have the amazing Dion Flynn, uh, Selena Kopik, Sharon Paul, um, Reformed Whores are our musical guests, and Rebecca Vigil, who, again, um, did the the jingle Mm -hmm. of the show, will be my guest co-host. So uh, April 30th, QED, Astoria. And, uh, you know, treasure what got you here. Attention, Springwood. My name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. They scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one I, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first boulet. Burlesque club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The Lacey... Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!